After 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Tuesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
the die 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 the die 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 the die die die
Just a deaf man in the steeple And to everyone's surprise He comes to truly chop his hand He prays with tear-filled eyes His son, he is the thousand Though his voice he's never heard But he sits there enjoying every word Every gesture that he makes And he stays till the very end However long it takes And when the davening is over He's the first to reach his son And the deaf man in the steeple says well done Now it's right before Yom Kippur In the steeple there is fear they want to start for midday, but the times are still not there. Oh, the shoots filled people as the night begins to fall. But the deaf man's chair stands empty by the wall. Then suddenly the chazan, he comes rushing through the door. He's wearing his white heart and that he's never worn before. He pauses for a moment at his father's empty chair. And quietly he wipes away a tear. And he runs up to the bima, for there's no time left to wait. And half the shul can hear the rabbi ask, How come so late? Oh, just getting ready for Yom Kippur is all he'd say. But now I'm going up to pray. And when he finished davening, the rabbi asked to tell What was it he was thinking of that made him sing so well? Well, you knew my dad was deaf, he said Last night he passed away It's the first time that my father's heard me pray And he takes his place around it By the holy tovering And in a voice so beautiful He begins to sing Oh, every heart was broken Oh, and every sober bride From his college reign at Yom Kippur
לך באמת, והנחילנו, השם אלוקינו, באהבה וברצון. שבת קודשך, וינוחו בם כל ישראל. מקדשי שמך, Thank <laughs> שבת קודשך, וינוחו בם כל ישראל, מקדשי שמך. משוך עבדך אל רצונך. אהההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההה
יגאלה, יגאלה נא, ופוז חביבי עליי. את סוכת, את סוכת של עומך. תאיר ארץ מכבודך, נגילה ונשמחה בך. מהר אהוב כי במועד וכוננו כימי עולם, וכוננו כימי עולם. Hey! <laughs> 
a.m. Tuesday at 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills on the web, jmtheam.org. And I welcome those of you who are tuned in on the stations and on uh, methods, platforms that you don't normally tune. A lot of folks who listen to the radio are now tuned into their iPhone app or their laptop somewhere around the world as they're vacationing or traveling, whatever the case may be. A lot of folks that normally listen at 91.1 are tuned in in the Catskill region at 90.1 FM. A lot of different methods to tune into this broadcast. And I thank everybody who um, takes advantage of all the different platforms that we offer. The Rabbi's Sons with Umacha. We'll do one more from them coming up. Yosef Carduner with a whole collection of selections. Vitaher, Yedid Nefesh, and Mikimi in a cappella style. Leif Tahar with Deaf Man in the Shtibel. Ad Anna from Ari Goldwag. Sean Altman and Lamancha. Ahavat Yisrael done by the Y Studs. And of course, Regesh. Modaani opening things up. As we say, good morning. It's Tuesday on this July 2nd, day 24 in the month of Tammuz. First week of the three weeks already complete. As hard as that is to believe. Uh, the year 5773, and Gimel. Oh, yeah, I wanted to check what day. <laughs> I thought of this this morning. As I'm considering and wondering whether the pollen count is high today. <laughs> because I don't know. Is the pollen count high today? It must be. Because I only get this um, tickle in my throat, semi-cough, when the pollen count is really skyrocketing. I wonder what it's at right now. I really wonder what it's in. Um, so this morning, in addition to wondering if the pollen count was high, I was wondering when the three weeks begin next year. I remind you that this year, the three weeks began on May 25th. On May 25th. Next year, July 15th. Wow. Next year, the three weeks begin July 15th. Tish above on the 5th of August. Not bad. If it's done right, we could still fit in a great camping season. Even after Tish above, you could still get, uh, oh yeah, you could still get a nice week and a half after Tish above next year. Anyway, I don't know why I was thinking of it, but uh, I was thinking of it. Jumping ahead a year. Uh, 22 minutes before 7 o'clock, Tuesday was 74 degrees. Well, will the rain show up or not? According to uh, what we posted last night on Facebook, many of you probably noticed this based on the numbers out there of how many people see our Facebook posts. Um, we have postponed our visit to Camp Hask. The original plan was to um, be at Camp Hask today and record Wednesday's JM in the AM. The suspicion... According to our uh, JM and the AM host committee at Camp Hask, our the suspicion I should say is that uh, the the broadcast, the visit, will end up getting washed out by these scattered thunderstorms that are expected. Now, it was raining here early this morning. As I was driving between five and five thirty, it was actually raining. I don't know what's doing in the Catskills. I'd love to know, in fact, what's doing in the northern part of the quote-unquote Jewish Catskill region. Um, but according to the forecast, these storms that we're expecting may hold off until this afternoon. So we've postponed our visit to Hask. It's likely going to take place on the day after Tishabov, 
will probably kick off on the 10th of Av and then uh, uh, broadcast that for you on the 11th of Av. Uh, that's the way it looks right now. We'll see if the weather holds up then. We have other weather concerns as well, which I'll explain in a minute. 74 degrees, 93% humidity, winds are south at 6, and we don't know what the pollen count is. Scattered thunderstorms with a high temperature of 80. Tonight, the low of 74. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy, a high temperature, 85 degrees. Yerushalayim and Haifa at 84. Tel Aviv at 82. A lot at 91.1. Up in Guilford, New York, our friends at Camp Misora have 67 degrees. They may get some rain today. Yeah, based on the forecast, they may get uh, a little bit of a soaking. The other weather concern is, of course, the uh, MCU Park NYPD Hatsala game. That is the, um, and which is a legitimate concern, of course. MCU Park, the Hatsala versus NYPD game is scheduled for 6 p.m. If there's a game, we are webcasting from the game at a quarter to six with Daniel Gordon as the lead play-by-play man for tonight. Now it's not an issue in terms of getting back in time from Hask, since we're not going to visit Camp Hask today. Um, and if the game is not on, obviously we'll... Uh, we will not... Then obviously we will air Yishai Fleischer's show between uh, 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. and continue with a regular schedule. So the pollen cast all through this week that I just found here on the... Uh, on the web is high. Now, I don't know what high means, or if high means, you know, nor- higher than normal. But um, it does say that it's a high pollen day. I can't understand. Outside of that, outside of the description of high, I have no idea what the rest of this pollen map means. Anyway, uh, so if we hear anything before 9 a.m., which I doubt, because I don't think the coordinators of the Hatsala NYPD game are going to um, declare anything till at least this afternoon. But as soon as we know anything, we'll put it on our Facebook update page, Jewish Radio World with Nahum Siegel. So but just like we updated you about our trip to Hask, which has now been postponed, we'll update you regarding that. And the final update is that Matis Weingast speaks with Dr. Lawrence Schiffman, a great conversation that took place this past Sunday, 8 o'clock Eastern Time this morning. We will have it for you right here at JM and the AM. So Matis with Dr. Lauren Schiffman coming up at 8 a.m. this morning. And that should be a uh, very well... It was very well received on Sunday when it was done on the web, and I'm sure it'll be re- received well today when it is done and played on the radio. All right, that's the story. Uh, so tomorrow now we are here. Originally we were going to uh, pre-record tomorrow's show from Camp Hess. So tomorrow now we are, we are here. And Thursday, on the 4th of July, we will welcome guests, including the publisher of Mishpacha Magazine, to our studio right here at JM in the AM. By the way, someone asked yesterday, now we were we were going to commemorate, I don't know how many of you remember this, but back during our fundraising marathon, we discussed how Tishabov, based on the best calculations we can come up with, which of course means Matis was working on it, um, we are uh, working on the assumption that Tishabov Day is my 7,500th show here at WFMU. That is uh, Matis's best estimate, that w- I hit 7,500 that day. We were going to commemorate it on that Thursday here at JM and the AM, but now it looks like we'll be doing the Hask show and then uh, uh, broadcasting it on that Thursday. So um, maybe the following week at some point 
we will commemorate the 7,500th show. I don't think it'll be one of those major celebrations, but we'd like to do something. So there's just there's so much going on. It's unbelievable. There's just so much happening. Some great things happening in August in terms of our travels and special shows and uh, a whole bunch of stuff going on in general, which we will uh, try to update everybody about here at JM in the AM. All right, uh, 16 minutes before 7 o'clock. One more from the Rabbi Sons at 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills. On the way, oh, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial on the web, jmtheam.org. Amen. 
Show 
JM and the AM. Mama Rachel, of course, from Journeys Volume Number Four here on a JM and the AM Tuesday morning. Thanks for joining us, folks. Uh, in terms of um, our music, the uh, Rabbi's Sons had Hashem Mole off of the Kivinu CD before that Journeys Four selection. Three minutes before seven o'clock on this Tuesday, heading into the second week of our three weeks format, our uh, journey to Camp Hask has been postponed. There are weather concerns with all these uh, thunderstorms and scattered storms that are that are hitting our area and that are in our forecast. So um, we don't want that to wash out our show that we're supposed to record up at Camp Hask. So what we'll do is uh, we'll postpone the visit till right after Tishabov, and hopefully the weather forecast will be uh, more favorable. So tomorrow will be a, a regular edition of JM and the AM three weeks format. On Thursday, we welcome the publisher of Hamodia to our studio on the 4th of July. Should be an interesting conversation. Malcolm Holmline will join us Friday. The um, regular weekly update at its regular time this week, Friday at 7.40. Mazal Tov to Betty Ehrenberg and the distinguished list of honorees last night at the American Friends of Yeshivot B'nai Akiva dinner. I was so glad that we were there to celebrate. It was a a wonderful tribute to a a certainly well-deserving honoree. Actually, all the honorees very well-deserving. Betty Ehrenberg is a very special person. Anybody who is uh, at all familiar with the Jewish community um, and leadership in the Jewish community for the last two, three decades. You're familiar with Betty and her amazing personality, her great work, and her uh, unwavering commitment to Israel and to uh, all that's good out there. So, Betty Ehrenberg, we salute you. It was an honor to be part of the big celebration last night. Well, toned-down celebration. It is the three weeks, but you know what I mean. <laughs> the big gathering last night. Uh, in your honor at the Museum of Jewish Heritage, Yashikach to Yeshivot Bnei Akiva, who uh, came off with a very, very impressive program with Ambassador to the United Nations, Ron Prosor, with a video that did an unbelievable job conveying the message, goal, dreams, and accomplishments of Yeshivot Bnei Akiva in Israel. Just spectacular. So uh, thank you, Betty Ehrenberg. We were there because of you, and um, we are so glad we were there. Tuesday morning, this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. Golly, it's all in the background. News from Israel is coming up. One hour from now, Mata speaks with Professor Lauren Schiffman, Vice Provost of YU. Chair of the International Jewish Committee for Interreligious Consultations. He'll discuss his visit this week with the Pope. Matis conducted this interview on JM Sunday. It's spectacular. We'll have it for you at 8 o'clock this morning right here at JM in the AM. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Tuesday follows next. We say Boker Tov from JM in the AM. Sala
שעה שתיים, כאן רן יבנאי עם מה שקורה עכשיו. העונש שהוטל על אולמרט קל מדי, הוא משדר לציבור מסר שגוי. טענו היום נציגי המדינה בערעור לעליון. מבית המשפט מדווחת טל יחזקאלי. העונש שקיבל ראש הממשלה לשעבר אהוד אולמרט חוטא לעקרון ההלימה וסוטה במפורש מהפסיקה. כך טענה בבית המשפט העליון נציגת פרקליטות המדינה, עורכת הדין נעמי גרנות. היא הוסיפה שהציבור מפרש את גזר הדין כאילו אין עונש, וכי המאסר על תנאי שהושת על אולמרט אינו הולם את רום מעמדו ואת טיב הפעולות שביצע. הפרקליטות סיימה כעת לטעון, ובשעה זו מתחילים סנגוריו של אולמרט להשיב לטענות. השיחות הכלכליות בין ישראל לפלסטינים צובות תאוצה, יונה לייבזון. בהתאם להחלטת שר האוצר יאיר לפיד ושר האוצר הפלסטיני, חודשו היום השיחות בין הדרגים המקצועיים במשרד האוצר וברשות. בראש הצוות הישראלי עומד מנהל רשות המיסים, ואילו בזה הפלסטיני, מנהל רשות המיסים והממונה על הכנסות המדינה. בפגישה שנערכה היום הוחלט על הקמת צוותי עבודה מקצועיים שייפגשו אחת לשבועיים. לקראת הדיון בממשלה ביום ראשון הקרוב, שירותם של בני ישיבות ההסדר עמד היום במוקד המפגש האחרון של ועדת פרי לשוויון בנטל. כתבתנו אילאיל שחר. היועץ ויינשטיין לא פוסל את החוק לחלוטין, אבל הוא מזהיר שמדובר בחוק לא שוויוני שצפוי לעורר בעיה כאשר תסתיים תקופת ההסתגלות וחרדים יאלצו להתגייס כמו כל צעיר אחר. על פניו אין מקום להבחין בין תלמידי ישיבות מסוג אחד לתלמידי ישיבות מסוג אחר, כותב ויינשטיין. הוא מתייחס לבני ישיבות ההסדר שישרתו על פי החוק החדש 17 חודשים בלבד. חשד לתאונת פגע וברח בג'לג'וליה. אדם אחד נפצע קשה ושניים נוספים נפצעו קל בהתנגשות בין שלושה כלי רכב. כתובתנו אלי אוכנברג מעדכנת כי אחד מהנהגים שהיה מעורבים בתאונה נמלט מהמקום בריצה והמשטרה עורכת אחריו סריקות. אתמול פוצצו אוהדים את אימון ביתר ירושלים, היום הם במעצר ויורחקו מהמגרשים. יותם ברגר מעדכן. אימון הבכורה של ביתר ירושלים אתמול הפך להתפרעות של אלפי אוהדים על הדשא בבית וגן. בין השאר קיללו האוהדים את שוער הקבוצה אריאל הרוש בשל הגיבוי שנתן למהלך יבוא השחקנים מצ'צ'ניה בעונה שעברה. לפני זמן קצר הוא ערך מעצרם של שני אוהדים החשודים שתקפו עובד ערבי בסניף מקדונלדס הסמוך למגרש על רקע גזעני. ארבעה אוהדים נוספים שהתפרעו במגרש והתעמתו עם המשטרה הורחקו מכל מגרשי הכדורגל בארץ עד השנה הבאה. התחזית מחר התחממות קלה בחמישי ללא שינוי ולקראת סוף השבוע ירידה בטמפרטורות. צריכת החשמל בישראל מגיעה כעת ל-9,133 מגוואט, כ-79% מסך יכולת הייצור הכוללת של חברת החשמל. ולסיום נמשכת הירידה החדה במספר המסתננים מאפריקה לישראל. רשות האוכלוסין וההגירה מדווחת על חמישה מסתננים חדשים בלבד בחודש יוני, לעומת יותר מ-900 מסתננים באותו החודש בשנה שעברה. כתבתנו תמר ירושלמי מוסרת כי המספרים הנמוכים נובעים ככל הנראה מהשלמת בנייה של הגדר בגבול עם מצרים וכן לחקיקת התיקון לחוק למניעת הסתננות. אלה החדשות שעורך עומר בן רובי.
Hey! 
Oh, a nice collection from Leif Tahar from their a cappella debut from years ago. Uh, you heard Shabbat in Gilo, Lule, Miadir, and Shiru Lamelech. Before that, Kol Zimra with Hakol Zman. We opened up the uh, 7 o'clock hour with Nachum Stark's Al Shlosha. 26 minutes after 7 o'clock on this Tuesday morning. Good morning, all. It's July 2nd, the 24th of Tammuz. We have completed one of the three weeks. And our three weeks will continue, our three weeks format will continue, of course, through Tisha B'Av. Our uh, excursion to Camp Hask, we were scheduled to record tomorrow morning's JM in the AM from Camp Hask later today. But because of the strong possibility of bad weather and that how that, how that might affect our broadcast, I think we were supposed to do it outside, frankly. <laughs> um, so we have uh, agreed with our friends at Camp Hask, and we have delayed or postponed our visit for a couple of weeks, and we'll let you know exactly uh, when it takes place. Um, Matis Weingast speaks with Dr. Lawrence Schiffman coming up on this program at 8 o'clock this morning. It is a uh, an encore presentation of what Matis did on Sunday with Dr. Schiffman on JM Sunday. A great conversation. We'll have it for you starting at 8 o'clock this morning right here at JM in the AM. We have no update regarding the NYPD Hatzala game tonight in Brooklyn, New York, but you shouldn't expect an update from us because I don't think they're going to make a decision until much later this afternoon uh, about whether it will uh, take place tonight or not. Right now we're working on the assumption that the game will take place. We will have the webcast of the play-by-play with Daniel Gordon coming up at uh, 5.45 today, Eastern Time. Yishai Fleischer's program will be preempted for the game, NYPD versus Hatzala. So we encourage everybody to tune in. If the game takes place as it's supposed to, 6 p.m. is when it begins. And we'll have it for you at jmandtheam.org. I want to wish a mazel tov to uh, Betty Ehrenberg and all the distinguished honorees. Last night at the American Friends of Yeshivot Bnei Akiva dinner, it was a great 34th anniversary celebration at the Museum of Jewish Heritage. Betty Ehrenberg is Executive Director of the World Jewish Congress and was the guest of honor last night. And we say Mazal Tov. It was uh, just a wonderful evening. And um, information about American Friends of Yeshivot Bnei Akiva, you can go to their website, afyba.org, afyba.org, as they continue to do amazing work in Israel. Apparently, according to um, both the speakers last night and the video presentation, 16 members of the current Knesset are graduates of the uh, Bnei Akiva system in Israel. I thought that's pretty amazing. I thought that was a pretty high number. So um, that's just one of their many accomplishments, that's for sure. All right, we told you about our uh, new plans regarding our visit to Camp Hask. That'll happen later in the summer. We told you about the uh, game tonight, NYPD Hatzala. And if we have any additional information before 9 o'clock, we'll pass it on, but they will be... uh, I'm sure we'll post it. We'll post whatever information we have later on on our Facebook update page, Jewish Radio World, with Nachum Siegel. I'm sure you'll see it on multiple sites, 
as of now, the game is on. We'll see how the weather holds up. And um, and then on Thursday, keep in mind that the publisher of Mishpacha magazine is going to visit us on the 4th of July. This Thursday, the 4th of July, the publisher of Mishpacha magazine is expected in our studio right here at JM in the AM. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. We're going to be continuing with our series on the three weeks. We read in Yermio concerning the exile, HaHemer Goy Elohim has a nation ever exchanged its gods, even though they are not genuine gods. Yet, my people has exchanged its glory for something of no avail. The Koch of Miyakov tells of a person who was supported by his father-in-law for a number of years. After that, his father gave him some money. He told him to go to Leipzig to the market to buy some wares. However, the son-in-law wasn't too bright. He brought back a whole trailer load of toothpicks. When he returned home, his father-in-law yelled at him, You botlin! This chayr, this merchandise could remain with you for 70 years and you won't sell it. He had no choice, but he let his son continue and he waited a number of years. The father-in-law began to say to himself, What's the tachlis here? So he gave him some more money. He told him to go back to the big city and buy something that was going to be worthwhile, not something worthless like toothpicks. It was close to the Yom Naroim and someone offered him a whole trailer load of shoifers. The son-in-law thought this was an excellent purchase because people would be buying shoifers at this time of year. Of course, when he returned home, the father-in-law was very upset. He yelled again, You botlin! Those shoifers are going to last until Mashiach comes. Without any other choice, he left his son-in-law alone, and the shoifers were stored near the toothpicks. The father-in-law was thinking, what's he going to do with all this worthless merchandise? He contacted a merchant that he knows and asked him if he could possibly sell the toothpicks. He told him, whatever you can get for it, please take anything at all. Then he contacted another merchant and he asked him, please could he find something to trade for the shoifers? He tells each one to look for some merchandise that would be better than what he is trading. Sure enough, a few weeks pass, he receives correspondence from the first merchant. The first one writes that he had been able to trade the toothpicks for shoifers. The second one ecstatically informed him that he was successful in exchanging the shoifers for toothpicks. The father-in-law could not believe his eyes. The son-in-law asked, why was he so upset? After all, here you have experienced veteran merchants. They failed just as he had. The father-in-law answered, No, it was not quite the same. I had in my storehouse two worthless loads of merchandise that couldn't be sold. What more could I hope for than that one would be exchanged for the other? You, however, had in your hands Kesef Mizuman. You had money, and you bought two worthless things. A Mysotipshis. This is what the Novi tells us here. Others trade nothing for nothing. But did you ever find a nation who would exchange an Elohim Chaim for a different God, that is Eitzva Evan, wood or stone? My nation changed my covet for a God that can never benefit them at all.
And so it is during these three weeks that we realize we must come back even closer to the Elohim Chaim, to the living Hashem. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning physic. Have a nice day.
Oh, oh, oh. 
Than to come home to a house filled with contentment, with warmth, with peacefulness, to a place where the Shtina can rest. This is the true Bukha Sabayas. <laughs>
In the AM, great hour of acapella and uh, some other selections here at JM in the AM, including Around the Campfire from Miami, which you just heard, Donnie Gross and Company, Ani Mamin from A Kumzitz in the Rain, and Kihine Kachomer, a Lel Yom Kippur selection from Leva Nefesh to open that set here at JM in the AM. It's Tuesday on the 2nd of July to 24th of Tammuz. Good morning, all. First of the three weeks is complete, and I thank you for tuning in. Want to again congratulate and acknowledge the amazing honorees last night at the American Friends of Yeshivot B'nai Akiva dinner. Uh, Nancy Burak, the uh, OAV Israel awardee. Uh, the Nagar family, Ephraim Nagar and Ben and Adam Nagar, who had dedicated a uh, library in memory of Talia Nagar. And Betty Ehrenberg, our good friend, guest of honor last night. She's executive director of the World Jewish Congress and um, was recognized for her amazing dedication to Israel and the Jewish people, rightfully so. And a great gathering from the American Friends of Yeshiva Bnei Akiva. So it was great being there. I'm so glad we were part of it. Congratulations to all the honorees from all of us here. At JM in the AM. Got a reminder about the uh, Shuvu Summer Dinner Meeting. It's happening on Tuesday night, July the 9th, at the home of Gedalia and uh, Rachel Weinberger. That's on East 23rd Street between Quentin and Avenue R in Flatbush, Brooklyn. There'll be a Ksiva Sefer Torah and the annual Shuvu Summer Dinner Meeting. Harav Usher Weish. Harav Usher Weiss. Rosh Mostos Minchas Usher, noted Rav and Posek. He is an amazing speaker. And uh, he will be speaking that night on behalf of Shuvu. Information at 718-692-3434. 718-692-3434 for information. I got the uh, Kutcher's uh, latest update. Regarding their summer, the Kutcher's Kosher County Fair is going to happen from July 31st through August the 4th. If you want information about that, you should um, contact them, 845-794-6000, 845-794-6000. And there is a Shabbos Nachamu Planned for uh, Kutcher's, and Nachamu is what, in two weeks, right? There's a Shabbos Nachamu planned for Kutcher's, which will feature a Matzei Shabbos all-star concert with Yoni Z, 8th Day, Shloimi Gertner, and Benny Friedman. That is pretty amazing. 
6,000. Well, ladies and gentlemen, people have been speaking about this since it occurred on Sunday, on this past uh, Sunday's JM Sunday. Matis Weingast had a, an amazing conversation with Dr. Lawrence Schiffman. And we are going to it next here at JM in the AM. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Uh, 91.9 FM in Rockland County and around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. Uh, on this past Sunday's JM Sunday, Matis Weingast spoke with Professor Lawrence Schiffman. Professor Schiffman is the Vice Provost at Yeshiva University. He's Chair of the International Jewish Committee for Interreligious Consultations. He discussed with Matis his uh, recent visit with the Pope. And, of course, uh, we note and recall that uh, Dr. Schiffman is also an expert scholar on the Dead Sea Scrolls. Matis Weingast, Dr. Lawrence Schiffman, next on JM in the AM. Uh, so you went to the uh, Vatican this week and you met with the Pope as part of an organization called the International Jewish Committee for Interreligious Consultations. I would hazard a guess that most people, even in the Jewish community, do not know about this organization. What does this organization yeah, that's, do? That's Virtually nobody knows what this is. <laughs> this is a limited consortium which is made up of a group of Jewish organizations for the purpose of representing the Jewish people officially, one might say almost diplomatically, to the Vatican, for which it was created, as well as the World Council of Churches, the uh, Eastern Churches, and other such bodies, or those are the three with which it actually operates. And uh, this organization has representation from quite a number of other organizations in it. For example, organizations like the Anti-Defamation League and the uh, AJC, the American Jewish Committee, and uh, those WJC, the uh, World Jewish Congress, and then from the religious movements it has the Reformed, Conservative, and Orthodox American rabbinical organizations, as well as synagogue organizations. It has uh, an Israeli arm, which represents uh, Israelis, and uh, basically this uh, group of organizations works together to provide a kind of uniform and unified a representation of the Jewish people in these areas. And it is actually, from the point of view of the Vatican, it's the official Jewish dialogue partner. Now, I had the privilege, I'm a representative of the OU there, and I had the privilege for the last two years, it's ended literally, I guess, uh, today, right, to serve as the chair, because July 1st is the new chair, Betty Ehrenberg from the World Jewish Congress, who I'm proud to say was a former student of mine, so <laughs> Betty Ehrenberg will be taking over, but I, ha I was the chair of this organization for the last two years. It has a very limited purpose, which it does very well, and I can tell you humorously that now that we have a pope who, uh, even though he's conducting his affairs in Italian, right, his main language is Spanish, and Ishkik would come out as Ishkik. So it's not exactly the most felicitous name, but it is a very felicitous organization because of the manner in which everyone works together for a very important cause representing the Jewish people. Now, vis-a-vis right. -vis the Vatican, there are two other main groups that the Vatican deals with, the chief rabbinate and the state of Israel, with whom it has diplomatic relations. And every these three groups coordinate in a way as to make sure that we basically are always putting forward type of united stand 
which is what the Jewish people need in this type of situation. Great. So your organization has met with previous popes also as the organization, am I right? Yes, yes, absolutely. As a matter of fact, uh, the organization came into being in the 1970s, and it was a result of the need to have a Jewish representative in response to Vatican II and the, the changes in the Catholic Church. And that's what it was created for, and that's what it basically conducts those right. types of relationships. And, and there are probably some people out there, as, as I'm sure uh, in almost anything, who would say that um, there shouldn't be this type of dialogue. There's no need for this type of dialogue. You would obviously disagree with that. Well, and, this, is, uh, this is a very big mistake for the following reason. We have two very important interests in this situation. But we can say, actually, there are two categories in which one of them is subdivided. First of all, it is appropriate for us to be friendly with people. This is just the right thing to do. If people want to be friendly with you, you ought to be friendly with them. But if you'll take my second, that's, that's just a kind of altruistic point. But if we'll move to the second point, the Jewish community's interests require that we have friends. And the reason for this is because especially there are two issues we're most concerned with, anti-Semitism and the state of Israel. And in both of these areas, our relations with the Catholic Church have advanced our situation tremendously. We've seen a tremendous reduction of anti-Semitism. Look what the Pope said on Monday when well, we met with him. I, I want to give you... To, to, I'm sorry, I wanted to give a quote on that. Uh, the, yeah. the Pope said on Monday, quote, because of our com by, by the way, did he speak in English or in... in uh... No, no, the Pope, the Pope spoke in Italian. Okay. So they, they distributed a translation at the event. Okay, so this is what he said. Quote, because of our common roots, a true Christian cannot be anti-Semitic. And he didn't say, you know, uh, shouldn't be or... Uh, or he said right, can't cannot. be. And then he said also... It's forbidden. According to current Catholic doctrine, it is forbidden to be an anti-Semite. And he says and the here... Church is yeah, and he says, he added, that the Catholic Church firmly condemns hatred, persecution, and all manifestations of anti-Semitism. Those are pretty strong statements coming from the Pope. Yeah, and this is a very special Pope from this point of view. He has a lot of Jewish friends. I think everybody knows his only book was written with Rabbi Skorka, who is a conservative rabbi from uh, Buenos Aires. And uh, I had visiting with me Rabbi Saka recently, who is the Spartic chief rabbi of Buenos Aires, and he told me he's already visited the Pope in, in, in Rome, and he, he's a friend of his from uh, Buenos Aires. This is a very different situation, although we've had, we did have a Pope who grew up to some extent with Jews. This is the first Pope that we have for whom relations with Jews are natural in the sense that Catholics in America would meet Jews at business, would meet Jews at other places, would see them around, would know about Jewish holidays and Jewish things, and just know about it as something natural, rather than it being some kind of purging process of purging anti-Semitism. For him, there never was any anti-Semitism. Right. It's like America. And that's and because this is an amazing thing. And that's because of his close relationship that he had and still has with the Jewish community in Buenos Aires, not yes, just as yes. a whole, not only that, personal friendship. Right. He's been behind everything, for example, the condemnation of the Amya bar bombing. of Everybody knows this was the Iranians orchestrated, apparently, the bombing of the Jewish community center in Buenos Aires, and uh, people, a tremendous number of people were killed there, and he uh, was, of course, out front in his opposition to that. He's visited synagogues numerous times for Jewish holidays and stuff like that. It's just... This is a different kind of person from this point of view, and it's so natural. And, of course, that's why within a few weeks of his becoming pope, he'd already accepted the invitation to visit Israel. When does he, he plan on going? Or, and he just, 
the the date isn't known. The the question is whether it's going to be in two thirteen, if it's still in twenty thirteen, or most likely in twenty fourteen. Wow. These things take a long time to arrange, and they have to be arranged very properly and correctly in order for it to work. If you remember during Pope Benedict's visit, there were a few gaffes that went on. Right. And I think that this guy doesn't want to get involved in any of that. They want to plan it properly. Absolutely. So uh, in, it takes some time. In your remarks to the uh, Pope as uh, head of the organization, you said, uh, quote, We hope that this meeting will also give us an opportunity to explain briefly a variety of issues and problems where we feel that the Catholic Church and the Jewish community can work together to advance our common goals. What were some of those uh, issues? Well, if, in, there are some of them that actually uh, pertain more to our needs than theirs, but the most important common need is to educate the people in both of our groups about the changed situation. Because we here in the Jewish community, you said before, that people say, you know, should we be doing this, should we not be doing this? Now, of course, I just want to say, in, in, uh, say in, before I, I go on here, that unknown to most people in the Jewish community, there is a group of uh, clergy Catholic clergy that come to the United States from Europe every year, and they are welcomed everywhere in the Jewish community from right to left to extreme right. Everybody welcomes these people as visitors. That is to say, there's virtually no one left who in a private situation does not feel that we should deal with Christian clergy, especially Catholic clergy, and help them in their quest to have a, a non-anti-Semitic Right. And I think that's what has been going on. That's virtually a consensus of everyone, even those who don't participate in some of these wider Jewish communal activities, which might involve non-Orthodox Jews. But everybody agrees that this should be done and is doing it and participating. Mm -hmm. Now, what I wanted to say about the... Uh, question of the, the, the real question of what the issues are for us. The biggest issue for us is that they haven't gotten across to their people well enough, and they admit this. On the contrary, they, they want to work with us on this. The message, and we haven't gotten to course to our people their new message. Now, we owe it to them to do that. I know it sounds a little funny. It's like the wind that you stop beating your wife. Why do we owe it to them to get our people to know that they are no longer anti-Semites? One can argue in different ways. It's their problem, not ours. They used to be anti-Semites. It's their obligation. The reality is that that's not a relationship of friendship. We've established now a relationship with friendship, with a friendship with them. And it's paid off in many ways. I'm just going to give you one small thing because very often we don't like things that somehow come out of there, the Vatican because the Vatican involves a very, very big operation that has people living in Middle Eastern countries, etc. However, when the Israelis landed on that Turkish boat, the Pope's statement, Pope Benedict, simply was, this is why we need peace in the Middle East, something every one of us, I think, would agree with. Mm -hmm. And that was worth all the work that we've done over the years. Interesting. Because previous to Israel, to the opening of relations with Israel, you would have had a very different type of statement. So we owe it to them, in my view, to tell our people that they're making a genuine effort to be our friends. Wow. Now, and I think that that's just the right thing to do. Now, the second thing is, though, that in the case of their publicity, mm -hmm. it's more important because we need them to get across to their people, like in the Ukraine, let's say, or in some of these places where there are no Jews, like Africa, that the church is not is against anti-Semitism. Exactly what the Pope said. What we just got out of our investment in holding this meeting, and 20-something people going over there, and they all have to pay their fare, and they all have to pay right, these are representatives of organizations, and the meetings we held there, we got more than our money's worth in that statement, which was a genuine statement of a person who really feels the way the Pope feels. The point I want to make is that 
So both sides, however, need to do more to publicize it. Just to show you what I mean about friendship and working together, so we met right after the meeting with the Pope in the afternoon. The officers of Inchkick met with Father Lombardi, who's the Vatican press secretary. And we weren't always satisfied with things he said, and we decided we have to become friends with him. And he's a nice guy, and we became friends. And Father Lombardi has proposed that we use Vatican radio as well as the new internet radio they're working on in order to spread that message. And he's asked us for lists of people who can be interviewed in a number of languages, if you know any rabbis that speak Swahili, and all kinds of, uh, he's looking for people that can, that can help in getting this message across, and he's, he just genuinely wants to begin to use that particular medium that's available to him. And that's what I mean by working with them. Now, um, the by the way, thing, if I, if I may <coughs> interrupt for a second, you know, the, it works the other way. We can have them uh, come on to the Nachum Siegel Network, and maybe it'll be the first pope that will address the Jewish community. On well, the, the pope won't uh, speak right. very good English, but if you go for <laughs> if you go if you go for the cardinal, Archbishop of New York. Right, that's right, absolutely. Uh, we are speaking with we were speaking with Professor Lawrence Schiffman, who uh, is a vice provost at Yeshiva University, and uh, is a chair for the next few hours, at least, of the International Jewish Committee for Interreligious Consultations, and a member of it representing the OU. Uh, talking about your visit with the, the Pope this past week, you had mentioned uh, about the. Uh, uh, the the po- the Vatican secretary, the press secretary, Father Lombardi. Now, uh, he's one who's been there for a while, right? He's not the, a new person that yes, this pope brought right. in. Many people forget. Right. I think many people forget that the Vatican is a sovereign nation in itself, into itself. It's not simply. A, it's not a suburb of Italy or anything like that. It is a separate country, and the pope yeah. is, uh, the pope is a, is the leader of that nation. Do you think, from what experiences you've had, that Whatever is disseminated out of the press office, for instance, is cleared by the Pope. And as a follow-up, no, it's too big. A, see, the problem is it's too big an operation. Uh-huh. Look, for example, they had a, we had a fiasco with them about, I guess, a year and a half ago. They held a conference of bishops from the Middle East. The conference itself was okay. A few things were said that we wouldn't like, but it was certainly not an Israel bashing event. And uh, one has to be realistic. You know, some of their people don't agree with us. Right. But anyhow, they held the event, and then some. Uh, priest from Newton, Massachusetts, who was an Eastern Catholic uh, priest, like I said, I think he's a Maronite, right, made terrible statements at the press conference. Mm-hmm. And the next morning, he was condemned by Father Lombardi in the newspapers in Italy. But the fact of the matter is, he made the statement. Right. And there you see the example. They condemned the statement made at their own event. They are not run the way the Da Vinci Code would have you believe. <laughs> the Pope. You know, there's, there's a foreign minister, and there's a secretary of state, all these different people who do different things. And that's why our organization, beginning about four years ago, stopped simply dealing with the Vatican's office. They have an office which is made for dealing with the Jews, right? They, okay. the, the Commission for Religious Relations with the Jews. Because that's fine for religious relations, but we need other relations. And right. I, I gave in my speech an example that I gave very subtly. I didn't want to tell the details because I was afraid of the world press picking it up. But I gave an example of the fact that when the previous pope went to Cuba, so I wrote a letter to the Secretary of State, Cardinal Bertoni, asking them to take up the issue of Alan Gross, the Jews in prison in Cuba. And I got back an email from the Religious Relations for the Jews office from Father Hofmann, who's Norbert Hofmann, who's a, a great advocate of Jewish issues there, and he said, we're doing it. Right. Okay. 
So I figured, okay, I didn't expect much to happen from it, let's be realistic. Sure. But six months later or so, uh, Archbishop Mamberti, who is the foreign minister of the Vatican, wrote me a letter saying that we did it, and we brought it up on humanitarian grounds. Now, the reason this is important is because the more people bring up people's names on humanitarian grounds, the less likely it is that they'll be mistreated. Right, it's on the radar. That they're gonna let, right, it's on the radar. So the bottom line is that if we got to the point where we can ask a private favor of the Vatican like that to help a Jew in distress, and they do it, and then they confirm it, I was very touched by his letter, and I wrote him back then, and I said, I said to get a letter like this, just it looks routine, you know, you did it. Right, but the fact of the matter is that with the relationships that we used to have in the past to be in a situation that we can go to them and ask them for a favor like that, and they do it, simply shows genuine friendship. Sure. There's no other reason to do it. Is the... And what I'm saying is that that's the new situation. And by the way, someone will come to me when some statement comes out of there six months from now that we don't like, right. and say, "Oh, but you said this." The answer is a: it's not centralized, and b. Are not us, right? Right. We have exactly. to face that reality. But exactly. just as nations of friends, and you mentioned the Vatican as a sovereign nation. I'll say a funny story. I taught in the Pontifical Biblical Institute and the Gregorian University once for a few months, and my office was in a building where if you walked down the hall, you would go from Italy into the Vatican. Right. Because <laughs> the building was divided in half between the sovereignty of Italy and the Vatican. I, and I, I sort of jokingly told some of the people they were priests on the other side of the building, I said, I hope for you guys' sake, if you call the police, they'll come. Yeah, exactly. Because it's, it's, in the middle, it's in the middle of Italy, but it's the Vatican. Right. It's the Vatican, Vatican, you know. I said, right. I hope the police will come. Who, you have to call pay, them, God forbid. Who pays taxes on the building? Uh, how about the relationship yeah. with uh, with Israel? Uh, will that uh, will there be a practical effect, a difference uh, with this pope? You well, there already has been a practical effect. There's already been a practical effect in many ways. And then Cioni Evroni, who is the Vatican ambassador, uh, the Israeli ambassador to the Holy See, as they call it, mm -hmm. who's a fantastic guy, was, uh, we ate dinner with him, and we met with him before to be brief. We always do this. And what he's seeking to do is, he says that the relations with the Vatican are tied up in one area. There's an economic agreement that was never signed, even though we have relations now for whatever it's 15 years ago. Sure. It was never signed. And they're trying to finish this agreement. It's taken a long time. And he feels it's necessary to widen the relations from the ceremonial level to actually do some things together. He has some very good ideas. And I think there's a need for uh, Israel and the Vatican to begin to expand on that relationship, which now is basically a formal one and a very friendly one. However, we did hear from Archbishop Mamberti uh, six months ago at a meeting uh, that, the, uh, that, the, that the Israeli relationship is a very, very good one and very important to the Vatican. So I think that there's a need to make it better, but it's still good. I should also, by the way, mention that I was at the Pope's inauguration. I was going to mention and that, at yeah. the inauguration. Yeah, the inauguration of the Pope, he singled out in his public speech the Jewish guests wow. for a special welcome. And even though there were a lot of 130, actually, we had 15 representatives, there were 130 at a reception that we had for other religious groups, we were singled out as being the most important other religious guests wow. there. And it was a great, great honor. And, and again, it was a nice opportunity to, to greet him. And I was on Italian TV saying Mazel Tov. Because I went to Mincha. I didn't know it would be on TV. I went to Mincha that afternoon in the great synagogue, in the main synagogue in, in Rome. Right. And, uh, and, and uh, somebody said to me, I saw you on TV saying Mazel Tov. They caught you there. So it was kosher food at the Vatican? Is that what you're telling me? No, they don't give out food. 
you oh. can get kosher food at the, we, we've had kosher food at the Vatican premises. Okay. There's no problem getting kosher catering there, but they, right. they gave no food at these events. Uh, so, so much to talk about, so little time. I'll touch upon a couple of other uh, things quickly. When you were with us in February, uh, we were talking about, um, uh, history and, and different things, and uh, one of the things mentioned was um, different uh, uh, finds in the world, uh, archives and, and things like that, and you had mentioned that the Vatican archives relating to the Holocaust and whatnot were scheduled to be released uh, in 2014, I think it is. Uh, yes. Do you think that is going to change? Will there be more openness in terms of the Vatican's history uh, and what will come out in terms of the Holocaust and other things with this new pope? Well, the new Pope has already stated in his, actually in the book with Rabbi Skorka, he's outwardly stated that he believes they should be released. Now, the archivists, there are two sides to this question. There is what we might call the political side. Are they trying to keep something quiet or not? Which, of course, we don't know until we see the material. Right. However, the most, the, there's also the, the actual archival organization question. You don't just open archives. They have to be in some ways organized. We are told that they will be organized by 2014. Without saying this too loud, <laughs> I would say that if they came to us in 2014 and said, look, we have three quarters of it done. We're releasing that. Okay. The rest will take us another year. I think people would mind. But if they are going to again basically extend the curtain on when they open these materials, then we will be rather disturbed. Uh So that's why we're making the point to the Pope already, and I made it in my address, and the press picked it up as if it was the most important thing. I made the point that we are looking forward to seeing this released as we were promised. Now, Cardinal Bertoni, the Secretary of State, when we met with him, he told us he agrees with us. He also thinks it should be released. But again, you know, everybody doesn't control everybody else. There's an archive, and the people who hold controlling that are are in charge of it. Now, I have to say that the... um, problem here is that there is a guy who's trying to get him canonized, made into a saint, right. before the material was released. And and because of the problem, yeah. Been, right, and we have been telling them over and over and over again that this is not in their interest. God forbid it turns out that he's problematical, it will cause a tremendous, tremendous rift with the Jews, and there's no point to it for them to take a chance on being embarrassed. And I think a lot of the people know that, because we don't know who's going to leave office now, who's going to be replaced. True. By the way, I want to just say one thing. People should not think, because they read this stuff in the newspaper, that it's in the interest of the Jewish people for him to fire everybody. We have a lot of good friends there. Right. There's some people maybe that he should fire, but I mean, from our point of view, we're cons- we, we are not concerned with their inner situation, women like fixing the bank or something like that, which has to be done, because there was no money laundering going on in the Vatican. I hate to say it, unfortunately, it's now familiar to us as Jews. Yeah. But the point is that uh, it's with us, we have a lot of good friends there, and we a lot of those good friends we would love to see staying. So it's not we're not necessarily you know sweep them all out; they're all no good. Right, of course. For the not uh, our business for, so. for the eventual release of the documents, is there already a committee in, uh, of scholars uh, that will officially take up this body work? I mean, once so it's see, over, there was obviously. a committee of scholars. There was a committee of scholars. It's almost like fifteen years ago or something. There was an agreement, and unfortunately, the Vatican didn't. And when they asked more questions and wanted to see more material, they told them no. no uh-huh, and then uh-huh. the Committee of Scholars, three Jews and three Catholics, all resigned because they said, we can't do scholarship, wow. we can't see the material. But you see, I think there was a mistaken approach there. That was the approach of let's investigate Pius XII. The truth be told, what's in there for Holocaust studies, there's information about people who died, where they were and how, it's all kinds of stuff in there right. for Holocaust studies that is, and for Holocaust victims that is very, very important to us, way beyond the, the record of Pius XII, which is probably a record 
that he did some things, maybe could have done more, didn't speak out, we wish he would have, mixed record. Right, you understand right. my point? We don't know. And, 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 yeah. 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 Well, we do. I, I think we already know that he wasn't a Nazi. Right. And we already know that picture of him doing Zig Heil is from World War One. Uh-huh. That's a picture which has been put on the front of the book Hitler's Pope. It's from World War One. That's been been proven. So I, I think it's going to be somewhere in the middle without him. Right. But the archives, in terms of the value for understanding the whole relationship of the Catholic Church and the Holocaust and all this, and I have a feeling a lot of it may even come out to their credit. Right, we right. all know people who were saved saved by 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 uh, Catholic institutions. So from my point of view, I think that even if there'll be some mixed records here or there in what comes out. I think they're going to be better off when they let it out. Right, and I, but, I hope we'll sure, see if, it soon. If they do that sooner rather than later, then by the time they release the whole body of uh, of archives, it'll be a non-story. You know, it'll be picked up a little bit. Uh, again, I think but that's right. Little uh, we we I think have you're right. we, it's eight forty in the morning and I know you have to go to the conference. Uh, switching topics for a second, we're in the period of the three weeks. So I, I have two questions to ask you. One is tied to the three weeks. One is tied to the English calendar. Tomorrow, as I mentioned earlier, tomorrow is Canada Day, which is a federal holiday in Canada celebrating the enactment of the British North America Act, which united the uh, three the British. Um, three British colonies, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, and the province of Canada, into what is now Canada. And on the 4th of July, we commemorate, of course, in the United States, the adoption of the Declaration of Independence. Um, two historically uh, great events occurring just a few hundred years ago. Uh, our history, of course, is thousands upon thousands of years. But address for a minute, if you will, your feeling on uh, our being our, our, the importance of our celebrating or commemorating at least these events uh, as Jewish people living in these countries? Well, I would say the following right off the bat that America, and to some extent Canada, because it has a derivative culture from both us and England, both of these countries fulfill what is called American exceptionalism by scholars. There's a lot of debate about this, and some people think it's not really true, but I think it is. In fact, every time a president of the United States says it, I really agree with it. That is to say that the United States comes to its conduct, both internally and externally, with a set of values, not that we've always kept it, not that we've been perfect, with a set of values that reflects an openness that we have benefited so tremendously from. And there has certainly been no other country like ours that supported Israel the way it has. And for our Canadian friends, their country was the one that took in Holocaust survivors when others would not. Now, the reality of the situation is that these two countries have provided a very special opportunity for Jewish culture to flourish in an open and natural way, in a way that no matter what we say has not happened except in the state of Israel. And I think that we have to be uh, very thankful for this, and we should celebrate these occasions. I think we're sometimes too quick to think, oh, what do we need this for? Why should we pray for the American army or something like that, right? And this kind of stuff in the Jewish community. And I think that we have to really be aware of the extent to which we've benefited right. from this wonderful opportunity. Absolutely. And in the period of the three weeks and coming up the nine days, uh, if you ask most people, they will be able to rattle off the things that you don't do during this time period. It's a period of mourning. It's a destruction of the two temples. In a nutshell, what, what are we missing as to what the, this period of time really is about? Well, I think the main thing, if you want to talk about it really, that we often miss is taking sufficient time to talk about how the destructions came about, what both political and ethical, moral, and religious 
errors and sins or whatever you want to call them we committed and how these all caused the destruction. And this is why, frankly, I'm not a fan of turning Tishavov into Lashon Hara Day. Because <laughs> Lashon Hara sounds to me like having to do with my telling someone whether I like your program or the way you interviewed me or something like that. Right. And, and I think we have to understand in a much greater uh, way. And I think this brings us back a little to this Ichkik organization. The ability of Jews of all kinds to work together and to come with common goals and aspirations, this is what saves us throughout the ages. And our inability to, to do that and our allowing our inner struggles, which are legitimate, to then become both external and sometimes even internally violent, these are really the most important lessons. So I want to quote the Boston Rebbe in the 1970s uh, when we lived in Brookline. I remember the Rebbe saying, Zichrona Levracha, I remember him saying something very beautiful. On Tishvah night before keynote, he said, people say that we don't need Tishavov anymore because we have a Jewish state. He says, no, he says, we need it more now because we have to remember more the dangers to us from the wrong type of approach to one another and to the issues that we face. And that with the lessons, the lessons of Tishavov for us become more important well, we have a Jewish state, not less important. Excellent, excellent point. Uh, yeah, your organization could be changed a little bit, or you could have a subsidiary, the International Jewish Committee for Inner Religious Consultations. <laughs> yeah, well, we need such a thing. You're right. It's not a joke. We, uh, we don't right. have that. And that, that. You're right. That's, the, and that's what should be reflected on in this particular time period, uh, even uh, 2,000 years later, uh, it still has an effect that we see it today every day, unfortunately. Uh, Dr. Lawrence Schiffman, thank you so much for joining me this morning on JM Sunday once again. It's uh, been enlightening as always, and uh, good luck with everything that you're doing. Uh, we hope to uh, hear from you in the near future. In November, I think, uh, your uh, great work that you're doing with uh, Louis Feldman, Professor Feldman, and uh, James Kugel, uh, Outside the Bible, it's called. It's a three volume set uh, we will uh, and it talks about um, the writings that most people don't know about that were not I guess not part of the official canon am I right that uh, right. was put together so that's early a, post-biblical literature really from second temple times that most Jews really have no idea about so we will talk about that and uh, and and uh, the effect that it has and why you know that that should be studied also uh, in the uh, in the near future probably right after the summer before it comes out thank you again so much have a great day Okay, thank you.
Believe it or not, that is an a cappella selection. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding at all. From the a cappella Yom Tov Treasury CD, it's AKA Pella with a song entitled Vahavienu here at JM in the AM. <laughs> no joke, it's a cappella. Uh, JM in the AM at 26 minutes before 9 o'clock. In a minute, we'll go to Moshe Deitch. She's got an update for us regarding the NYPD Hatsala game. I want to thank Matis Weingast, a great great conversation with Dr. Lauren Schiffman uh, that Mathis conducted on Sunday during JM Sunday and uh, I'm glad we were able to replay it here on JM in the AM great job our trip to Camp Hask which was supposed to be today to record tomorrow morning's JM in the AM has been postponed we'll do it probably in a couple of weeks weather concerns and what it might be like as we uh do the show uh, has uh, caused us to postpone. Speaking of weather, we'll go to uh, Moshe Deitch in a minute for an update regarding the NYPD Hatzala game. If the game does take place, 5.45, we will preempt our regular schedule and go to uh, MCU Park on jmandtheam.org later today with Daniel Gordon doing the play-by-play. Um... And then on Thursday, the 4th of July, the editor of Mishpacha Magazine is expected in our studio here at JM in the AM. That should be an interesting conversation. 4th of July visit from the editor of Mishpacha Magazine. Speaking of Hask, by the way, uh, Hask presents an educational and inspiring evening for the entire community. Understanding our children's fears, how to help your child overcome anxiety, effective tips, techniques, and strategies with um, Rabbi Pesach Krohn and Dr. Norman Blumenthal. Tuesday night, July 9th, 8 p.m. at the Renaissance on 14th Avenue in Brooklyn. 
Everybody is invited. Information, hask.net. Hask.net. Tonight is the Home Run Heroes game between the NYPD and Hatsala to benefit the uh, NYPD's um, uh, Benevolent uh, Foundation and the uh, Hevra Gamach of Hatsala. Moshe Deutsch has been updating us constantly regarding tonight's big game. He joins us live via telephone. Welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. So I can only imagine, uh, <laughs> I can only imagine wherever you, Davin Shachris, you put in a good word about good weather for tonight, huh? <laughs> I'm sure that the weather will hold off. Really? Yes. Because when you do things for tzedakah and for good causes, Hashem always helps. Uh, I just wanted to mention that the Lieutenant's Benevolent Association Fund is the official name of the fund uh, from the NYPD side for tonight. Uh, Moshe Deitch, you're right, but you will recall that last year, again, with the great stucca and great work of the game, it still got washed out and had to be rescheduled, so it is possible that could happen again, you know. Well, we have procedures in place so that there should be no confusion, and we don't want to inconvenience anybody. All right, so what do people have to know? Because last year the game was not officially postponed until like an hour into game time. That will not be the case this year, correct? No. What we have what we have done is that by approximately 1 p.m. today, a final decision either way will be made. That decision will be posted on our website, homerunheroesgame.com. We'll also be on our hotline, our weather hotline, which is 347-526-2806, and either myself or one of our or one of our many volunteers who are helping us for this great cause will be manning that line. Oh, meaning a live person will pick it up? If it's a lot of callers, then it'll obviously be a recorded message, but we will have information either way. Oh, wow. So we've really set it up so that we don't want to inconvenience people. And we still hope to play. And I will tell you, Nachum, that the weather forecast when I got up this morning to Davin at the first minion was much more promising than when I went to sleep last night and the wee hours when I continued my preparations. That, I believe, is, in fact, as we speak, and Moshe Deitch, coordinator of tonight's Hatzala NYPD game, is with us live via telephone. As we speak, I'm looking at what is scheduled weather-wise for 6 p.m. 60% chance of precipitation with scattered thunderstorms. See, that's the problem. The problem is, here's what's going to happen. You guys are going to decide at 1 o'clock to play the game, which I totally understand, with all the preparation and all the hard work that's gone into it. And then you face the prospect, the possibility of, you know, a couple of those really bad downpours. That's the, uh, that's the problem. But, uh... If we, if, if this we, forecast holds out, my forecast is that you will say you're playing the game. Well, we, uh, I don't, I don't know how that'll be. Well, as we get closer oh. to the lunchtime hour, you're evading the, uh, you're uh, much evading. more information available. <laughs> you're evading the question. <laughs> no, I'm not. not evading the question. I know, I know, I'm I know. Being realistic about the weather. <laughs> I'm, kid- I'm kidding around. Now, there's no question. By noon, one o'clock, you'll know more. And you'll be able to make an even more intelligent decision. That's the bottom line. Well, if there's, if it looks like it's just going to be one of those five minute uh, right. showers, right. then, then there's play. no reason that we can't stop for five minutes and then resume. Understood. The field is an excellent field. A um, little bit of an advantage because they had to redo the entire field. 
due to Hurricane Sandy. Oh, that's right. It's a brand new field, right? And therefore, they put in underneath the field excellent drainage system. Right. So even if it rains earlier in the afternoon. The field will not be an issue. We're not going to do it like they used to do at Shea Stadium, if you recall. Wet ground. Right. That doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. <laughs> All right. So tonight's Home Run Heroes game looks like, certainly now, looks like it's a go. Final decision will be made at 1 p.m. today. The weather hotline for anybody to check via telephone is 347-526-2806. Do not call that number until 1 o'clock. 347 526 2806. You'll be able to go to the website after 1 p.m. Home Run Heroes Game. Don't forget Heroes is with an E at the end. Uh, HomerunHeroesGame.com. You'll be able to go to that website and get information as well starting at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. The game is scheduled for 6 o'clock. Assuming everything is a go, and that's what we're hoping for, you'll be able to hear our play-by-play starting at 5.45 p.m. Eastern Time from the stadium. We are preempting Yeshai Fleischer's show on our network, and we're going to be doing the game with Daniel Gordon doing the play-by-play. And it's all happening at MCU Park. Now, there was a rumor flying around yesterday that somebody had tickets available in Flatbush, uh, you basically extended your ticket outlets because you have representatives who are actually holding tickets in hand that people can buy on the spot. What could people do regarding tickets at the last minute for today? In Flatbush, they can go to Eichler's. They can go to Judaica Place. They can go to any of the other outlets, such as Brooklyn Bagel, Bon Appetit. In Queens, they can go to Safra Judaica or Gift World. And they can also call our ticket hotline, 917 917- Six four eight three five eight eight, and if they're not near any of these places, the tickets will be available at the ballpark box office. All right, and uh, there's a rumor that if you go to Landau Shul for Shacharis, you might find someone there selling tickets as well. It is possible. It is possible, uh, and that's in Flatbush, folks. Um, how did we do this year, Moshe? How did we do compared to past years? Has there been a good response? Baruch Hashem, it's been an excellent response. Thank God. When you talk about helping individuals that have to do with Hatzalah, that are available to us, people always have responded kindly. Baruch Hashem, I'm glad to hear that. Home Run Heroes game tonight benefits the Chevra uh, Gamach and the uh, Lieutenant's Benevolent Association Fund. Everyone is invited, 6 p.m. We start the webcast at 545. If you have a smartphone, it'll be a drop on delay, obviously, but it's the greatest thing looking around the stadium and watching people listen to our play-by-play on their smartphones and having fun with that. So, again, it'll be a little bit delayed, obviously. But, hey, if you want to catch all the humorous and fun stuff, you have no choice but to tune in while you're sitting there at the game. And those of you who are not at the game, certainly tune in from around the world, no matter where you are. Tonight's National Anthem will be done by Cantor Oshi Blumenberg and the Adidim Choir under the production of Gershi Moskowitz. There'll be a special NYPD flyby. And as we said with Moshe Deitch uh, uh, countless times in the last few weeks, There's so much going on tonight between contests and giveaways and raffles and sponsors, all of whom are thanked and highlighted. The game sometimes becomes a sidelight, and the game is great in and of itself. So it's going to be a great time had by all. 
Let's hope the weather holds out. Weather hotline is 347-526-2806 for the NYPD Hot Sulla game. 347-526-2806. Don't call the number before 1 p.m. That's when the decision will be made. And, of course, you can go to the website after 1 o'clock, homerunheroesgame.com, homerunheroesgame.com for the latest information. Moshe Deitch, you've done an amazing job. Big Gashikoff, can't wait to see you tonight. Thank you. See you tonight. Nochum Kosel. <laughs> I'm not doing the Kosel part, but uh, I appreciate that very much. <laughs> All right, there he is, Moshe Deitch, and uh, it sounds like they're going to get this uh, game started at 6. That's what it sounds like to me. But uh, he's right when he says that we'll know a lot more four hours from now. That's true. We will know a lot more in terms of the forecast uh, many hours from now. And, hey, uh, Hatsala and the NYPD, I'm sure they have inside information that will give them even more pinpoint details regarding what's going on weather-wise at about 6 p.m. this evening in Brooklyn, New York. Quarter before uh, 9 o'clock, Tuesday morning broadcast at JM the AM. <laughs>
city of Yerushalayim, and remember us, your entire people, your nation Israel, for good things, for deliverance, for goodness, and for life, and for peace.
Capella version of uh, Baruch Hagever. That's Leif Tahar. Miami before that. JM and the AM. Well, our uh, our trip to Camp Hask has been postponed due to weather concerns up there because we were scheduled uh, to record tomorrow morning's show outdoors. So we'll do that eventually this summer, but uh, not today. So we'll be here live tomorrow morning at JM and the AM. Join us starting between uh, starting at six between six and nine. And um, NYPD game, we will update everybody. Not only will the uh, HomerunHeroesGame.com have uh, information about the weather and the possibility or probability of the game being played later today in Brooklyn, New York, but we'll have information on our Facebook update page, Jewish Radio World, with Nachum Siegel, so pay careful attention to that. Thursday, the 4th of July... Editor of Mishpacha Magazine will be in our studio here at JM in the AM. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. That wraps up a uh, Tuesday, three weeks format edition of JM in the AM. Plenty more happening on the stream today. Make sure to be tuned into our three weeks format music. Uh, happening uh, now, 9 a.m. and all day long. If the game is played tonight, NYPD versus Hatsala, we will have that webcast for you starting at 5.45 Eastern Time on our stream. Pay careful attention to the Facebook update page, Twitter, etc., etc., and you'll know what the story is. Have a fabulous Tuesday. Till tomorrow, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.